0: Just to review, 2 Timothy is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a young man named Timothy. And at this letter's writing, at the time of the writing, Paul is in prison and he expects to be executed any day. Timothy is in the city of Ephesus. Paul has left him there to work in the church, serve the church, to fight against false teaching in the church. And so this wasn't an easy task for Timothy. And he also knows that he too, like Paul, could be imprisoned or even executed. So the theme of 2 Timothy is endurance, Christian endurance, Paul encourages Timothy to endure when life and ministry get difficult. So last Sunday, we saw in chapter 1 that that Timothy needed courage, the courage to endure. And where does this, this courage come from? Well, it comes from the Holy Spirit, Paul says, who lives within us. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, God gives to us the Holy Spirit. And if we rely upon the Holy Spirit, he will give us courage. The Holy Spirit will give us the courage we need when we need it. He won't give us the courage today to face what we need to face next week. But when we experience or go through those situations when we need courage, God will give us the courage we need if we look to him for it and don't falter. So today is the Sunday before Remembrance Day. And did you notice what verse 3 says? Share in suffering as a what? A good soldier. Of Christ Jesus. Now, did I plan this? No, I'm not really that good to plan all of this out in advance. It's amazing though how this, how often this type of thing actually does happen. Just uh, a couple of weeks ago at youth group, we were going through some of the "I Am" statements of Jesus, and that night it was uh, the Pumpkin Olympics, and uh, it just happened to be. We didn't plan this. It just happened to be that I was leading a study on "I Am the Vine." And of course, pumpkins grow on vines. So another occasion when didn't plant it, but it just worked out so well. Are these coincidences? Uh, I don't think so. I asked the youth group, is this a coincidence or was it divinely ordained? And one of the teens pointed out uh, that you said, that I said, divinely ordained. Uh, I am the vine, pumpkins grow on vines. You know, it's sort of like a divine ordination Inception, you know, so much going on there, but uh, I didn't plan it this way, but it's, it's fitting that on the Sunday prior to Remembrance Day, that uh, we are in a passage that speaks of suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. So I don't think it's a coincidence, but let's think about what it means to be a good soldier. What makes a soldier a good soldier? Not thinking right now about a soldier of Christ Jesus, but a regular soldier. What makes a soldier a good soldier? In other words, you know, what are the qualities of a good soldier? I'll take some answers if you want to give me an answer as to what makes a soldier a good soldier. What qualities should a soldier have? Discipline, Discipline okay, good one. A sense of duty, courage, dependable, dependable right? Morale. Okay, promoting good good morale. Well. Okay, lots of good answers. I did read some documents from the Canadian Armed Forces and the government as to you know expectation, professional expectations, values of the military, and and a lot that were mentioned there were in those those documents. Things that, uh, or qualities that should be true of a good soldier or someone in the military. Now, obviously, a soldier and a soldier of Christ Jesus are two very different things. You know, Paul didn't expect Timothy to act like a literal soldier. Now, this is an analogy or a metaphor for the way that Paul wants Timothy to live and to to lead in that church. So he wasn't, Timothy wasn't supposed to, of course, carry a sword and shield and so so on as soldiers would have done uh, in those days. So he's talking about a, a, a different kind of battle you could say. A soldier of Christ Jesus. But some of those qualities that were mentioned would be good qualities for a soldier of Christ Jesus. So, was it just Timothy who, who needed to be a good soldier of Christ Jesus? Was that just for him? Now, I believe that we all need to be good soldiers of Christ Jesus, so what are, the, what are the qualities of a good soldier of Christ Jesus? So looking at, at these verses, 2 Timothy chapter 2, 1 through 13, I see three qualities of a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Number one, a good soldier of Christ Jesus gains strength Through dependence on the Holy Spirit. I already mentioned this. We've already seen this in chapter 1. But Paul talks about it again. So obviously Timothy was someone who needed strength. He needed courage. He was going through a challenging time in his life and ministry. He needed strength. Uh, Look again at at verse 1. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. You, Paul is speaking to Timothy, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So he says, be strengthened. Timothy needs strength. Now, where does that strength come from? This verb is a passive verb. There's a difference between an active verb and a passive verb. Uh, it snowed the other day. Did anyone throw a snowball? Maybe at someone or got hit with a snowball? So if you, if you threw a snowball, that's an active verb. You, you threw it. But if you were hit by a snowball, that's, that's passive. That, that was done to you. You didn't do it. It was done to you. So this is a passive verb, be strengthened. He's not saying to Timothy, you get the strength Paul is saying the strength needs to come from somewhere else. By the grace that is in Christ Jesus, Paul says. So so Timothy needs to be strengthened by God's grace. Now, usually when we hear that word grace, when Paul used that word grace in his letters, we think of how we're saved by grace. Uh, But grace you should think of not just regarding salvation, but It's God giving us what we need. Sometimes we saw this recently. Grace is used by Paul to speak of of gifts, spiritual gifts or abilities to serve. So so God uh, gives the church what it needs. It gives individuals in the church uh, what they need uh, for the church uh, to serve one another and for the church to grow. Uh, Here, what God gives us in Christ Jesus is the Strength. The strength to, to endure, to keep on going. Uh, it's similar to what we see in 2 Corinthians chapter, chapter 12, where uh, Paul talks about the thorn in the flesh. We don't know exactly what this form of uh, adversity was. A lot of times we think it's uh, some sort of physical. Ailment. It could have been. That's the most popular interpretation. But either way, he was facing something that, that really was a, a challenge to him. Maybe even a discouragement to him. And, and look at what 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9 says. Says. This is Jesus speaking to him. Uh, verse 8, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, to, that it should leave me. He wanted this, this problem removed. Uh, verse 9, but he, Jesus, said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So Paul didn't have really the strength to face this, whatever it was, but, but Christ would would give him his grace his grace would be sufficient so what that means is that christ would 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 give him this was a gift from christ to paul give him the strength he needed uh, paul needed in his his weakness so this is what paul is saying to timothy to be strengthened by the grace that is in christ jesus if you're faithful if you do what god has called you to do he will supply you with the grace or the strength to face whatever comes your way and then verse 2 going back to second uh, timothy chapter 2 verse 2 and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So this gets to to part of uh, Timothy's task, what he's supposed to be doing in the church in Ephesus. He's supposed to be teaching teaching other men what he's heard from Paul, what he's learned from Paul, and then there to take what Timothy has taken from Paul and they're to give it, teach it, to others, also, and so this was a, a challenging task, I'm sure, especially in a church where uh, there was the uh, the problem of false teaching. The task really was was greater than Timothy's strength, and so he couldn't depend upon his own strength. And we face tasks, or we can face tasks that are greater than our own strength. But we never face tasks that are greater than God's strength. And so if he calls us to face a challenge, a difficult task, whatever the situation might be, he will give us the strength. And he is greater than any challenge we face. So a good soldier of Christ Jesus gains strength through dependence, not on his or her own Strength, but dependence on the Holy Spirit, the strength, the grace that he can provide. Number two, second quality, a good soldier of Christ Jesus desires to please their commanding officer. Now look at verse three, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. So when he says share, he's, he's meaning join me in suffering. Maybe not an invitation you'd like to receive. uh, But we know that Paul is suffering. He's in prison. There's the threat of, the danger of, the likelihood of execution. He would be, uh, history tells us, beheaded in Rome. Uh, Join me, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. So uh, in these verses, there are three analogies. Three analogies of costly service, that of a soldier and also an athlete and a farmer. So think about that, costly service. And then we go down to verse four. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who has enlisted him. So here we have the importance of of duty or, or mission that this must come first. And, And Paul talks about the aim or the goal being to please the one who enlisted him, the commanding officer. That's the motivation. Duty comes first. Now, who is the Christian's commanding officer? I'm sure in the military, you don't always appreciate the commanding officer. Maybe it's not always your aim to please him or her. uh, But uh, who is the Christian's commanding officer? It's Jesus. And we know that he is the one who gave up his life for us. He made the ultimate sacrifice. He died on the cross for our sins. And we've given our lives to him. We've put our faith in him. And it's our aim to please him. The one who has enlisted us. so that's our aim. That's that's our goal. That's the second quality. A desire to please Jesus. And then third, a good soldier of Christ Jesus sees their service as worthwhile. So we're gonna have to go quickly through the remaining portion of this passage. But verse 6 says, it is the hardworking farmer Sorry, verse 5. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. So, these, these uh, professions, you might say, involve costly service, hard work. But they also show that sometimes there are things that are worth suffering for. And that's what Paul is telling Timothy. What you're doing is worth suffering for. There's that, that verse at the end of 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15. That uh, great chapter on the resurrection. Verse 58, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not what? It's not in vain. It's not uh, just a waste of time or worthless, a worthless endeavor. Uh, This, what you are doing, is worthwhile. So we know that the soldier... He's often called into very difficult situations. You know, there's that, uh, I forget the term now, but, uh, you know, knowing that there's the possibility of injury or, or death uh, in that line of work. Uh, there's the athlete, that great discipline involved in, in training, the farmer, Farmers often get blamed for uh, daylight savings time. Actually, it wasn't changed for farmers. That's a myth. But, you know, they need to get up early. They need to work hard uh, if, if they're to have that, that harvest in the future. Uh, going down to verses 8 and 9. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains, as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. You can know, you think of uh, the persecuted church. Uh, people can be put in prison, but the Word of God is not bound. Paul was in prison, but the Word of God was not bound. You can't put a, a chain around uh, the uh, the Word of God and keep it from spreading. You can't put it in a jail cell. it It will still keep going forward. So... We see Jesus, his deity, his humanity, risen from the dead, the offspring of David. Verse 10, therefore I endure everything. There's endurance again. For the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So the elect, the elects are those who are chosen by God to be saved? Uh, we see that in first, uh, Ephesians one four, chosen by Him in Christ before the foundation of the world. Some would say, "Well, divine election deters evangelism. If God has chosen, who will be saved? You know, why, why spread the gospel? They're going to be saved anyway." But that's not how Paul thought of it. He's uh, he's going forward. He's he's suffering for the elect. He's not saying, "Well, they'll just get saved anyways." He doesn't think of it that way. He does what God has called him to do, and that is spread the gospel. His mindset is, if God has called people to be saved, if he's chosen them to be saved, then there are some who will respond positively to the message. So I'm going to go out. I'm going to be willing to suffer for the sake of the elect. These ones who, who will be saved if I preach the gospel. And then finally, we get to verses 11 through 13. The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. To die with him probably does not refer to physical death, it's probably death to sin. Romans 6, verse 8 says something very similar. Uh, to reign with Christ really gets back to the original intention for, for mankind, to have dominion, Genesis 1:26. So if we die with him, with Christ, in the sense of dying the death to sin, uh, identifying with his crucifixion, uh, we'll also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. And then it gets a little difficult because it says if we deny him, he will also deny us. But then it says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, which might seem like a contradiction. And this goes back to Matthew 10, verse 33. These are the words of Jesus. He says, but whoever denies me before men... I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. And really this is uh, denying Christ before men to get out of persecution. So if you fear men before, uh, more than Christ, Christ says he will deny you. But there's also the next line which says if we're faithless, which we all are to some extent, we all have those moments, those days of, of faithlessness. He remains faithful. Why? Because he cannot deny himself. So it might, be, it might be difficult to put this all together in our minds. You know, what I think about is, I think about, I think about Judas and Peter. Judas was the betrayer. Peter was the one who denied Jesus. But Peter repented. He was restored. He was forgiven. Whereas Judas, he regretted what he did, but he immediately killed himself. So there is the sense that if we disown Christ, if we turn from him, thinking of apostasy or just we're no longer interested in following Christ, whether it's to get out of trouble or to have an easier life or whatever the case might be, then Christ will, will deny us. But, you know, if we're someone who struggles, as we all do, with our faith, and if we go to him for forgiveness, he remains faithful. He will not turn from us. And so it's it's not a final denial. But more like a stumble. And we go back to him and, and he will he will restore us he will he will forgive us and so so the getting back to the main the third point the service is worthwhile you know think of the think of the military there are there are there are rewards there are honors medals and and I know you shouldn't just you know do the service just to get a a prize of some sort but it is a great honor you know as as christians Scripture also talks about rewards, and, and Paul does talk about this in chapter, chapter 4. But we don't just serve Christ just so we can be rewarded. We serve Him because we love Him, because He died for us, because He saved us, because He is uh, God who came, became a man and, and, and lived uh, and died for us. So we don't, we don't serve just, just for the reward. But we also have that thought. In front of us and so it's worthwhile not just for that reason but also because these are things that the, that our commanding officer Christ has, has uh, instructed us to do and these are worthwhile things these are things that uh, strengthen others and, and help others and uh, even can lead to the salvation of others as Paul talks about the elect people who have served in the military, I know we have some who are serving or have served in the military. Uh, You know, sometimes, I don't know if this has happened to to you, but uh, sometimes people come up to a person who has served or is serving, and and they're told, well, thank you for your service, appreciate your service. And, you know, I think that would be an honor to hear that. But, you know, I think it would be an even greater honor to be appreciated by your commanding officer, Uh, especially if you respected that person to hear that you have served well uh, from your commanding officer, to hear that, that would be a great honor. And certainly, this is true of of soldiers of Christ Jesus. Now, we should should appreciate one another's service. We should honor one another, honor those, encourage those, thank those who are, are serving well or have served well. But to stand before Jesus one day and to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. That will be the greatest honor.